0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Right, well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. My name is Ryan Irvin. I'm the uh, associate pastor of discipleship and missions, and I would love to meet you if I haven't done that yet. Uh, right after the service, I'll be out in the lobby. I would love to uh, yeah, get to know you a little bit better. Well, years ago, there was a young pastor who had just moved to lead a church in a small farming community. Shortly after arriving, he attended a men's breakfast early one morning and there was an older farmer who was asked to say grace before the meal. So They all bowed their heads, and the old farmer began, Lord, I hate buttermilk. The new pastor sort of opened one eye to glance at the farmer, wondering where exactly he was going with this. But the farmer continued his prayer, Lord, I hate lard. The pastor was growing a little concerned, but without missing a beat, The farmer continued, And Lord, you know I don't care much for raw white flour. Well, the pastor again opened one eye to glance around the room and saw that others were uncomfortably doing the same. Well, after that, the farmer added, But Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love warm, fresh biscuits. And so, Lord, help us to remember that when life gets difficult, And we don't understand exactly maybe what you're doing all the time. Help us to trust you. Help us to thank you. And wait until you're done mixing. Well, here at 539, we are in a series called Holiday Survival Guide. And maybe that story reminds you of how you see the holidays. Lord, I hate traffic. I just want to go to the mall. Maybe you think, Lord, uh, I, I hate how they start Christmas music in like, I don't know, on the radio, like in August or something. Lord, I hate figgy pudding. I don't even know what figgy pudding is, but I just hate it. Now, those are some of the maybe silly things we kind of joke about, the holidays. But maybe the holidays remind you of loved ones that you have lost. Maybe as a family, you're struggling right now, and the holidays are bringing that to light. Holidays can also be a reminder of broken relationships and the way that things used to be. Maybe you're dealing with some health issues personally or, or with a loved one's. You know, the holidays can even be difficult because of good things. We can get so distracted with with decorating and with parties and with buying gifts that sometimes we forget the real meaning and the true purpose of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so in our series Holiday Survival Guide, today we'll see an aspect of how we are to approach the holidays, and that is with thankfulness. You see, friends, being thankful is a key part of our holiday survival guide. But how do you do that when it often seems like we're focused on the buttermilk and the lard and the raw white flour, instead of being focused on the warm, fresh biscuits in life? Well, we'll see today that we can be thankful no matter what our circumstances are when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today we'll see this. We'll see that thankfulness comes from knowing the giver, Jesus Christ, and not just from his gifts. Thankfulness comes from knowing the giver and not just from his gifts. It's not just about the gifts, all as incredible and as awesome as they are. Listen, it's about knowing the giver, Jesus Christ. And there's a passage that we're going to look at today that describes this exactly. And it's in Luke chapter 17. We'll begin in verse 11. So you can turn there in your Bibles. It's also on page 823 if you're using one of the Bibles under the seats there in front of you. Luke 17 beginning in verse 11. And when this passage begins, we see Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. So let's pick it up here, Luke 17 beginning in verse 11. It says this, on the way to Jerusalem, he Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to be together as a family. Thank you for this passage that we're going to look at today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers, that we would take these things you're teaching us and apply them to our lives. And I I pray that we'd be thankful in life, regardless of the circumstances, knowing that uh, you are Lord and Savior, and you always have what is best for us. So we lift this time up to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, first we're going to see, we're going to break this down into into two sections. First, we're going to see, number one, the leper's request. We'll see this in verses 11 through 13, the leper's request. So let's pick it up here, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus here was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So we want to set a little context to this passage. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival and to ultimately die on the cross and be raised again three days later. And so we find him here passing between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. That's geographically where he is. Uh, verse 12, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. So as Jesus enters this village, he's met by 10 men with the disease of leprosy. Now, leprosy uh, is a skin disease which, which uh, caused inflammation. It caused scaly, splotchy skin Also, leprosy destroys nerve endings. And so oftentimes, uh, lepers would often unknowingly damage extremities, like their fingers and toes and and noses, without even realizing they were doing it due due to the the nerve damage. Leprosy was was a fear disease because there was no known cure. And listen, some forms of it were highly, highly contagious. And so, what normally happened was, quarantine was really the only way people knew to contain the spread of this disease. So you see, if a person contracted leprosy, a priest in the synagogue uh, declared him a leper and then banished him from his home and from his city. That also excluded him from any social or religious activities. Uh, You can read more about this in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. It goes into a lot of depth about it. So the leper then, because they were kicked out of their, their community, they went to live in a community with other lepers until really either the disease went into remission or they died. So these 10 lepers here were ceremonially defiled and forced to live outside of this village. And because the law said that contact with any unclean person with leprosy made that person unclean too, lepers were required to call out, unclean, unclean. To keep people away so if they went close to anyone they had to call that out unclean so that people knew to stay away from them now listen if a leper thought that the leprosy had gone away he was supposed to present himself to a priest in the synagogue who could declare him clean that meant he could return to life in society and, and no longer have to do that no longer have to stay away from other people so as you can see people with leprosy here were ostracized from society and from interaction with others. And so there's ten of them together, most likely, because they came together uh, to support one another. We see these ten lepers knew their condition. They knew that any contact with others made those people unclean as well. And still they, they're, they're here, uh, sticking together to support one another. Knowing Jesus' reputation for healing, they shout from a distance, knowing that they can't get any closer. Now this morning, maybe you're here today and you feel like an outcast, like these lepers. You know, here at 539, we say that the church should be a hospital where broken people can come and receive Christ and be made whole again. And So we must reach out to those who feel like these, these lepers, who feel like outcasts. We must point them to Jesus. That's our goal. Verse 13 here continues, and it says this. It says that these, these lepers lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Can you picture the scene as it's happening? They lift up their voices and shout, again, because they're legally required to stand at a distance. They recognize that Jesus has the power to have mercy on them. They also knew who he was and what he could do for them, right? These men had hope, maybe for the first time in a really long time, Time. They saw Jesus. They cry out to him for mercy. They knew that Jesus was totally in control, even of diseases and death itself, and they trusted him to help them. You know, as I thought about this, uh, this passage a lot this week, I thought, these lepers recognize Jesus' authority, and they call out for mercy. And I thought about our lives, you and I. Do we recognize the authority of Jesus in our day-to-day lives, do we believe and trust his authority? And do we call out to him for mercy in our lives? What we see here, the leper's request in verses 11, 12, and 13. And next, we're going to see the second point. And that's the Savior's response. We've seen the leper's request. Now we're going to see the Savior's response in verses 14 through 19. So let's see. Let's see, how does Jesus respond to the leper's request? It picks up here in verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. In response to their cry for mercy, Jesus heals these 10 lepers. They're cleansed of their leprosy. He commands the 10 lepers to go and show themselves to the priests. Again, that was Leviticus 13 and 14, right? If you have this and you're healed, you go to a priest. And they allow you to return into society. If a leper thought his leprosy had gone away, he was to present himself to a priest in a synagogue who would declare him clean. They had to show themselves to the priest in order to be declared clean and be able to go back into the communities, back into society, back into religious and social activities of the day. So we see here, Jesus uttered a simple command. Did you hear it? Go and show yourselves to the priests. To do this meant they were no longer infected and could go back into society. But did you notice something else here? They had to start on their way to the priests before they were healed. Did you catch that? They all exercised faith in what Jesus had said. They started out for the priests, and when they did, the healing came. They were cleansed. The healings were sudden and immediately visible, but occurred only after they obeyed the command of Jesus. Also, I think it's interesting, notice here, The lepers did nothing to deserve the cure except beg for mercy from Jesus and trust his instructions to go as if they were already healed. I think it's very telling because, likewise, we do nothing to deserve God's love. All that we have is by his grace, it's undeserved and unmerited. And such incredible generosity should call for a response, right? How do we respond? Well, the proper, the correct response. Is thankfulness Because just for a moment, can you again, can you put yourselves into the scene? Imagine you're one of these 10 lepers. Imagine all the healing meant to these 10. They're literally getting their lives back, right? They're allowed to go back into their communities and families and social and religious life. And likewise, when Jesus saves us, we get to experience true life, eternal life with Jesus forever we also learn here that jesus has mercy on social outcasts right the grace of god extends to those who appear to be far from god jesus sends the 10 lepers to the priest before they were healed and they went isn't that amazing they responded in faith and jesus healed them on the way can i ask us this morning is your trust in god so strong that you act upon what he says even before you see the evidence that it will work. Oftentimes we say, God, I know, I know I'm know, i supposed to give, forgive this person, but I think I want to see how they react a little bit before I do. God, I know I'm supposed to be generous with my time and resources, but ah, I might hold off a little bit longer to see maybe how this plays out before I, I really go all in. You see, our obedience to God must be immediate, complete, and with the right heart attitude. Any parents in here agree with that? Have you ever uh, babysat a two-year-old? What do you really want? You want obedience, right? To be immediate obedience, right now. Not sometime later. You want it to be complete. Not partial, but everything. And with the right heart attitude, not with complaining. And that's the obedience God wants to see from each one of us as well. Full obedience to what he has for us. When we come to a really critical part in this uh, passage next, in verse 15, look what it says here. It says, then, how many of them? One of them. One of them. How many were there? There were ten. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. What we find is that nine went quickly to the priests, but one reversed direction and went to thank Jesus. And if you notice here, he's not quiet about it either. But he praised Jesus. Jesus, with a loud voice, the text tells us. He knew what Jesus did had come directly from God and how faith and healing should bring praise to God. He couldn't, he couldn't help himself. He had to go back and praise and thank God. Now, how grateful all the men should have been for this goodness that God brought to them, to their lives. But we noticed that nine don't go back to show gratitude, just, just the one. And I, that's a little easy to pick on them, right? But I think before we judge too harshly, I think it's maybe time to be introspective a little and ask how thankful are we in our daily lives the reaction of the nine in not returning to thanks to to show thanks to Jesus is often how we tend to take God's graciousness for granted isn't it how often do we take our blessings for granted and really fail to thank the Lord in the ways that we should too often we're content to enjoy the gift but we forget to worship the giver of the gifts I think from the scene, right, you would expect all ten to run to Jesus and thank him for this, again, incredible new start in life. But we find only one did so. And we find next that he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Samaritan. Look at verse 16. This one that comes back to praise and thank Jesus. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, which is a critical piece of information. This man comes back. He falls at Christ's feet uh, to, to thank him, to, to praise him with a loud voice It says, And what we find here is there's actually a double level of cultural tension. We learn that this man is not only a leper, but he's also a Samaritan, which was a big deal. And so in this time, the idea of a Samaritan leper receiving God's help was undoubtedly shocking to those listening in. People listening in would have written off people in either category, leper or Samaritan, as beyond God's help. You see, there was this deep hatred that existed between Jews and Samaritans. This animosity between Jews and Samaritans had really begun hundreds of years earlier. God had instructed his people, the Jews, to not marry into enemy nations because this would cause them to be drawn away and worship other false gods, which is exactly what happened. And so those who intermarried with a certain enemy nation called Assyria ended up being called Samaritans. And they did not like each other. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Do you remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman? Do you remember how that exchange goes? Verse 9, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So there's this great hatred, this great animosity between the two. Not only was this man an unclean leper, He's also an unclean Samaritan. So why would Jesus deal with a person considered not unclean once, but actually twice unclean? We learn that Jesus brings healing and salvation to sinners, to unclean people, rather than to religious, self-righteous people who don't really think they need him. You know, Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 9:12 when he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So again here we see that God's grace, listen, it's for everyone. Jesus is pointing out that even those who would would appear to be very far from God are able to believe in Jesus and receive salvation. You see, thankfulness doesn't earn us favor with God. Don't, Don't miss the point. It's evidence, though, that we have uh, a knowledge, and, and we know God and enjoy his goodness to us. Uh, giving thanks, it's not some religious work we do that earns us something. Rather, giving thanks is the most natural response to understanding who God is and what he's done for us. That should be our response to him. Right? It's not as if we can pay God back with our thankfulness, but we want to thank him and honor him by giving him our thanks and our gratitude. So thankfulness is about recognizing the lordship of Jesus Christ and his kindness and his power to work all things together for good. It's recognizing that God is in control of everything, and he is the source of everything. Back to the passage here, we find that one of the ten, a Samaritan of all people, returned to praise Jesus and to give him thanks. And what does he do? He, he glorifies God. He worships at the feet of Jesus. He expressed thankfulness for this healing. Really, and I think an expected response, considering the, the suffering that, that he had escaped, as a result strictly of the Lord's compassion, it feels like an appropriate response, right? That gratitude shouldn't maybe be all that surprising. What is surprising is the nine who don't return, right? That should be a surprising thing to us. Verse 17, Jesus answered, and he's got some questions. He's counting heads. Jesus answered, "Hey, weren't, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Ten men had been healed, but only one, the Samaritan, came back to give glory to God. I think it's important to remember, too, that Jesus is not so much that he's concerned about being thanked as it is about the men's understanding of what had happened. He wanted them to understand what had happened. See, the nine knew the gift, but did they know the giver? Only one returned to give thanks. The others likely eager to be declared clean so they could return to normal life and society again, evidently continued to the priest, neglecting to give thanks to the giver, Jesus Christ. See, all ten are healed, but only one returns to thank Jesus. This passage teaches us that it's possible to receive God's gifts with an ungrateful heart. Nine of the ten appear to do so here. Verse 18, Jesus asks another question, a third question. So, Hey, weren't there 10? Where are the nine? And then in verse 18, was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus states the identity of the man, and, and he's pointing out that, that the faith of this Samaritan man over those who should know better. Right? Those listening in would have expected the Jews to come back and thank Jesus, not the Samaritans. This whole thing is kind of turned around on its head. Jesus commends the man for his gratitude and shows us, listen, that no one is too far from God to receive his grace. The gospel is for all who trust in Jesus. That is great news for us. As I was thinking about this, passage, maybe you've had this thought too. I thought, why did the others not return to give thanks? We don't know for sure. The text really doesn't tell us. But I thought, why don't I give thanks the way I should? Maybe it's because of self-interest? Maybe they were taking Jesus for granted. Maybe there was some indifference after receiving what they wanted. They really didn't care anymore about how they got it. Maybe they were too distracted by the religious rituals they had to go perform, and so they just wanted to go do that. Maybe there was just plain ingratitude. I guess we don't know for sure where this came from. But look at verse 19. He, Jesus, said to him, the one that returned, the Samaritan, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Great news. The phrase made you well can literally be translated, saved you. Your faith has saved you. So even though Jesus did not withhold from the nine who did not thank him, withhold healing, he makes a point here of noting their lack of gratefulness. Did you catch that? Because they had faith, all ten were healed physically. But Jesus' final word to this grateful Samaritan, who does go back, implies that this man received spiritual healing in addition to being healed of leprosy. It seemed this man's return to fall at Jesus' feet in praise and thanksgiving gave him a spiritual wholeness in addition to the physical wholeness that he had received. And when we take the time to acknowledge the giver and not just the gifts, we please the Lord and enjoy that, those spiritual healings that come from thankfulness and gratitude. See, Jesus is saying here that although ten have experienced the full blessing of healing, only one had faith to return and establish ties with Jesus to indicate the presence of saving faith. See, the deliverance Jesus affirms here is greater than the healing the ten experienced. Which I think leads us all to a really, really important question, which is this. Do we want to know God, or do we just want something from God and then continue on in our lives without him. It seems the nine just wanted something from Jesus and then to continue on without him. But the one understood that thankfulness comes from knowing the giver, not just from receiving the gifts. Jesus shows us that he ministers to any who are willing to reach out to him. None are turned away who come to him humbly and on his own terms. Listen, when when people cry out to Jesus for mercy, he offers it to them. It's great news for us. Furthermore, Jesus reaches out to those who are outsiders. He touches especially those who have been given up on by society. We need to follow the example of Jesus here. And remember that no one is outside of God's grace, including us. The nine received the outward cure, but only the one Samaritan got the confirmation that his faith had made him well. He exhibits genuine faith, and not just because he said some words, but because his faith was genuine. He understood not just the gifts, but it's the giver that must be praised and worshipped. So you and I should also be thankful for the incredible gifts God gives to us, but it must not stop there. We must be thankful for the one who is the giver of those gifts, Jesus Christ. As believers, we must be the ones who return to Jesus and to thank him for his mercy and for his power that he alone provides. So really the question for us as we enter this holiday survival time, will our attitude be thankfulness to God despite even the outcome of our prayers? In other words, can we fully trust God to care for us each day realizing that he alone ultimately knows what is best for us? You see, the true thankfulness comes when we know the giver, not just his gifts. But maybe you're you're thinking, yeah, but but what about those times in life where my prayers just aren't answered? And the promise that God gives us is this. We don't have the promise of painlessness, but we do have the promise of his presence. And that's critical. Jesus does not tell us that our lives will be easy in this world, but he tells us that he has overcome the world. In John 16, he said, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. Y'all have trouble here, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Although we have tribulation in this world, we have peace in Jesus, in his presence. The promise of Jesus is not that we live painless lives, but that he is with us. He is present with us. He promises us in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're not alone with Jesus. See, furthermore, as, as believers, it's God's will that we are thankful in all circumstances. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. It says, give thanks in some circumstances. Is that it? Be thankful in most circumstances, a lot of the time, some of the time. No, it says this. Stay with me. Give thanks in all circumstances, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can be thankful no matter what our circumstances are today when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the key. So, whatever you're facing this holiday season, remember that thankfulness comes because we know the Savior, Jesus Christ. Thankfulness comes when we know the giver, not just when we receive his gifts. And as we end here, I'd like to leave us with just a couple practical steps that we can take as we face the holidays. Uh, The first one is to use our holiday survival guide. You should have received one of these on the way in. If not, there's some out at the welcome bar. Uh, But if you look at like the second page in there, under Thanksgiving, at the very bottom, it has some, some areas that we can practice. And so under the Thanksgiving section, it says, start each day this week by thanking God for two minutes. Do this before asking him for anything. That's the next step. That we can take. And the next one is write down twenty five things you are thankful for that God has done this year in your life. What an incredible next step as well. And the final one, a third one, write a note to someone telling them how thankful you are for them and why. I'm not talking about thanking someone in, in passing or thanking someone for a Christmas sweater that you're actually never going to wear. I mean thanking someone who's truly made a difference in your life. You know, psychologists have found that one of the greatest contributing factors to happiness in life is how much gratitude you show. Uh, scientists did a, a study a few years ago. And this is what they found. They, they, they brought in some folks and they had them take a survey. and The survey determined their extent of their happiness. Okay? People didn't exactly know what they were coming in for, but the survey gave them a baseline of how happy they are. And they said, okay, next what we want you to do, we want you to write down a person who has been very influential in your life. Write down their name. So they all did that. And next they said, what we want you to do is write a few paragraphs, maybe up to a page. Just begin writing why that person is, is so influential in your life. Why are you so thankful for them? So they did that. They all wrote that out. And they said, okay, next what we're going to do, we're going to have you call that person right now and read what you wrote to them. And so they did that very thing. They all called and expressed the gratitude and the, and the thankfulness to uh, the folks that had had such an an impact in their life. And you know what they found? They found that, I'm sorry, the next thing they did was then they they had them take another survey and determine their level of happiness. What they found was those people who had come in and had taken the initial survey and then then gone through this experiment where they, they thanked those who were important to them, they found that their level of happiness had increased as a result of showing gratitude really surprising thing they found was those who, in the first survey, had low levels of happiness, they had the greatest increase in in happiness as a result of this exercise of showing gratitude.
1: And so not only, as
0: we have seen, is is thankfulness and gratitude God's will for us, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians, not only is it good for the person being thanked, who doesn't like being thanked, right, And, and having gratitude shown to them, it also helps you, the person giving the thanks, expressing the gratitude. So that's one thing we can do, is use those holiday survival guides and and go through those as we spend time uh, through this holiday season. Now, a second thing I want to recommend is that you spend time with God during the holidays. This is something that's very easy um, to miss. It's easy to get busy and then miss this. But I don't want you um, to forget what Paul said in Colossians 3. He says this beginning in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, through this holiday season and really throughout all parts of the year, we must let the word of Christ dwell in us. And as we do, we develop thankfulness in our hearts. Well, one final step, and this is really the most important one if you have not done it, and that is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, we're all like this leper spiritually. Those ten lepers, were all that way spiritually. We are separated from God due to our sin. And no amount of good works can earn our salvation. But when we call out to Jesus, he saves us. And this is how we do it. Romans 10 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from your sin. And just like you learned in this passage, verse 13 goes on to say, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, it's available for all. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. For us who owed a debt we could not pay. To understand The isolation that sin produces is to understand the freedom that salvation brings. You see, sin produces this isolation. We're separated from God. But when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, it brings salvation. It brings freedom that God has for us. And our response must be one of thanksgiving and gratitude. What else could it be? God brings us into existence. He sustains us, and he offers to us salvation and eternal life with him forever. And our response must be one of thankfulness and gratitude. Like the Samaritan leper, the person we need to thank and go to this week is Jesus. So this holiday season, let's remember that thankfulness comes from knowing the giver, Jesus Christ, and not just from his gifts. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, um, God, for today, that we could be together as a family. God, thank you um, for this passage Lord, that you've taught to us about thankfulness. Lord, I pray that we would um, truly praise and worship you, the giver, Jesus Christ. Not just um, be thankful for the the gifts and and then go away, Lord, but that we would return to you and have that relationship with you. God, I pray now as we go through this holiday season that we would remember these things, that we would take advantage of the, and using the holiday survival guide, that we would spend time with you through the busyness of, of this whole season. And God, most importantly, if there's anyone here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would put their faith and trust in you, turning from their sin and turning to you. And Lord, those of us who have experienced salvation, that we would thank you today, that we would remember the salvation that you provided for us and that we would go to you in thankfulness and gratitude. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.